0: All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of The Lockdown Lowdown. I am your host, Misha Aravena, and today we are talking about something that we can all relate to, something that has been affecting all of us for the past 13 months, and it is still ongoing, the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we begin, let me introduce my panel. I have Mr. Alex Pope. Gentlemen. Awesome. And I have Mr. Andrew Stupart.
1: Happy to be here as always.
0: Awesome stuff, guys. So, Alex, I'm going to throw this over to you because this is your topic, and I know we have a lot to say, so get us started.
2: All right. So, yeah, I figured, you know, it's what our podcast is named after, the Lockdown Lowdown Uh, We've been at it for a while and we've yet to address it Um, so I figured tonight we are going to dedicate our lives to bitching and complaining about COVID and I don't know maybe maybe we'll come up with some uh, productive uh, answers as a result of it who knows Um, but anyways uh, first thing I wanted to address um, Stupart commented to me you know before the show really wanted to talk about an issue that's, that's been creeping up um, recently, but also since the beginning of the pandemic, and that's Asian hate. And I just want to say that tonight I will be drinking an entire bottle of soju uh, nice. in solidarity with nice. our, our Asian uh, brothers and sisters. I know that it's not Chinese, but it's uh, South Korean and it tastes good, so it's, so There yeah. you go, I, man. Um, the sentiment is there. Yeah, The sentiment is there. I really wanted to start off the episode talking about the origins. I want to sort of structure this past, present, and future pandemics. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I want to start in the past. Um, Let's dig right into these sort of like lab lab leak hypothesis and and also the wet market and stuff like that. Um, And I just want to say, again, um, my criticism of the Chinese is directed 100% at the Chinese government. Um, yes. I'm not talking about Asian people in general, Chinese people in general. Thank you. Um, I'm talking about the communist government of China. Um, I think there's, there's I've got a lot of cris- criticism about chi- uh, China and communism in general. So uh, I got to make that clear right off the bat. Um, So I'm going to start off with just a question to to you guys. I'll throw it over to Stupart first. What do you think about the WHO led in quote unquote investigations that have been happening? Do you think we're actually going to get any real answers out of this?
1: That's a big question to start with, Um, but thank you for the context and for the introduction, Alex, and I appreciate the, uh, you know, being in solidarity with your beer there. Um, You know, I I first of all want to say before I even jump in that I absolutely do not condone in any way, shape or form the Asian hate that's happening in North America and as well as uh, across the world right now, Um, you know, to point fingers at a Chinese Chinese person just because you know this thing started in the in the Hubei province, specifically with, within uh, Wuhan, is absolutely preposterous. And we'll talk about the the hate element a little bit later. Um, but I do have to make my position clear that you know pinpointing you know general hatred towards any group based on based on something that isn't one particular person's fault, um, or at least in the cases like you know a, a, a resident. You know Chinese people living in Canada, like they had nothing to do with it whatsoever. So it's ridiculous that this hatred's coming forth. But to answer your question, um, I, I I've been reading some of the stuff um, online about it. I don't know if we'll ever get a concrete, quote unquote, you know, accurate, one hundred percent accurate, uh, precise answer about the origins of this thing. In my mind, it's it's you know you have to remember that in the, in our biodiverse world that we're living in naturally um, whether it's um, plants, animals uh, or bacteria, or in this case, you know, viruses, they, they mutate. Mut- mutations happen naturally as part of the evolutionary process. And in, in my mind um, the original hypothesis I think is the most logical one. Cause there's a couple of hypotheses, hypotheses that are, floating around right now, there's been talks about, you know, labs, you know, specimens being leaked from labs, this and that. Um, the way I see it is that it was probably a bat that had a genetic mutation, because don't forget this all comes from SARS, right? Like these are different types of SARS viruses, right? And so it was probably just a, a highly mutated version of a pre-existing um virus that just happened to be a little bit stronger, a little bit more, um, You know, able to combat like in in the environment that it's in so it's a little bit stronger this virus, you know, and and what what a lot of experts are saying is that a bat uh, in China. um, Somehow interacted with an animal and then humans somehow interacted with that into intermediate animal um, that originally had interacted with the bat and then so it started spreading um, in the fish markets in Wuhan and then kind of spread outward from there so. I don't think, I don't think we'll ever, as I said, I don't think we'll ever get a precise, accurate um, sort of answer to the origin of this. But I think it stands to reason that uh, it was probably a bat that uh, spread it to an animal, that spread it to the human population. And then then obviously you have, um, you know, for the most part, you know, a lot of open borders and and open travel at the time. And it's just easy to imagine this thing kind of spreading through all these different borders uh, throughout the world.
2: I'm just going to jump in there. Um, I was watching a 60 Minutes special on this, and, uh, and they were talking about how the investigators only actually spent three hours at the lab. Um, one person, Jamie Metzel, who's a WHO advisor, um, basically accused this inve- investigation of, of not being an investigation, being a highly curated, highly chaperoned tour of, of the uh, areas in question. Um, So I think it's a very um, politically polarized debate. Um, I think that on one side, you've got, you've got people that are, are basically, um, you know, trying to deflect any blame away from the Chinese government. And then you've, you've got other people who are also just going in that direction because of of their opposition to major proponents of the lab leak theory, most notably Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, You know, he came out there right away and said, it's all China's fault. You know, this this level four virology lab, you know, it's not an accident that this happened and everything like that. And I think a lot of people's knee jerk reaction is like, okay, Donald Trump is crazy. He's a, you know, maybe some people think he's a racist. Some people think he's this and that and the other thing. Um, so the reaction is like, okay, well, this lab leak theory must be bogus. Uh, but I think that uh, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there's real reason to suspect that it's, there's a good possibility that it came from there. Just thinking about the Occam's razor argument, the simplest answer is often the right one. Um, you know, we have a level four virology institute. That, that specifically researches bat coronaviruses. It's in Wuhan. The virus came from Wuhan. I mean, I, I think there has to be a certain level of credence given to this theory, you know, because we're never gonna know the actual answer. No. Um, there's no way to know, but we have to almost assume that both of them are uh, reasonable and probable Um, and so we should assume that the wet market is the origin we should assume that um, the lab leak is the origin and we should and if the Chinese government is going to say oh it came from a farm somewhere then we should assume that it came from that farm as well Um, we should assume that all of the above are true and and we should respond accordingly to all of them What do you think about that, Misha, am I crazy?
0: Well, no, I I would actually, for myself, I would take uh, Andrew's comments and his sentiments and uh, I agree with those pretty much verbatim. My thing though, I don't think this particular question is important right at this moment. To me, I don't care where it came from. It's here and we have to defeat this thing. We have to get it under control. And I feel like this is a question for later. Right, and I know one thing I've learned about this pandemic: we always need someone to blame. We always need something to blame because it makes us feel better as human beings. Right? Makes us feel good. I, I, I understand why China is the target, but to me, my answer to this question: it's important to figure out. Yes, I don't think we will. I think Andrew is right. We will never be able to pinpoint the source but it's not an important question right now. Guys, let's defeat this, get it under control, and then we can investigate it. We got to figure this thing out right now because we're 13 months in and we ain't progressing really.
2: I've got to dispute that that right off the bat. I mean, it's not that long ago. I was in grade 10 and we had the SARS virus and people were freaking scared. I don't know, I mean, I wasn't even living in, um toronto at the time which is one city that got hit really bad by it um but like this is turning into a pattern and um and i think and i think we have to figure out like where's this shit coming from like if you don't figure out what the source is then we're doomed to an eternity of dealing
1: with yeah yeah and i and i kind of i kind of see both of your stances on this and i think that uh well, well, I'll reiterate what I said before. I think it's going to be very difficult considering just all the levels of investigations that continue, have that, that have to continue to take place and the deep digging that, you know, different government officials from different countries have to do on this thing. You know, it's going to be a long road ahead in terms of getting, if we ever do get an accurate, precise answer on where this thing came from. But I, you know, and, and I kind of see both sides of what you're saying, because I think Misha, you're 100% correct in that while, you know, it is we do want to look at the, the origins, Alex, for sure. We want to look at the origins. But what Misha said about, like, let's figure it out now, like the solution. Right. So, yeah. And I course, just want to
0: interrupt you there for a sec. Part Well, I, I don't care. I
1: mean, no, I'm, I'm kidding.
0: No, no. But like, I do agree with Alex. It is important to pinpoint the source. Yeah. yeah. But that's not the important question right now.
1: Yeah, no, for for sure, for sure, and nope. I think if you look at Ontario, which has been just abysmal in terms of the the um, rollout of the vaccine, Canada has been terrible in terms of being able to acquire this mm-hmm. thing. Part of that is just we're not. We're and we're gonna get change. to that. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold you yeah, guys no, back. No, 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 worries, no worries, worries. No worries. No worries. We're, we're, we're still in
2: the past. I am the God, ghost, okay, so ghost so of COVID.
1: I am the ghost of COVID past and got we're it, still in the past. So let, me, let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this. While we will take a deeper dive into the, the current um, you know solutions later, as you say, Alex, I, ju- I just want to say like my sentiment here is that I, th- I think it's important to look forward to the future and resolving this and getting vaccinated. That said, I think it's still important to look at know what caused it and it's like anything in history like the classic example is always like the nazis right like we have to like look back and see at the political tensions and the political circumstances and the messages and the propaganda that led to such a horrific um time period in 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 europe but at the same so that that's a learning it's you always have to go back and look at the history right so whether it's the nazis and kind of saying let's not let's not have fascism repeat itself again in in developed worlds you have to. You can. You can look at. You can use the same line of thinking to look at the the um, Spanish flu 100 years ago, right? And it's the exact same, same line of thinking you have to have. And I see where you're going with this, Alex. As you have, you know, on your topic of thinking in the past, here we do need to look at at practices, you know, and 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 practices not only around containing these things at ground zero. So that may be, you know, rethinking um the the sanitary practices that we you know have at these open fish markets and if open fish markets should still exist number one but then ha- at, a, at a larger scale like think learning from history right like how do we mm-hmm. contain this thing at the borders and how do we stop it from 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 spreading outward so I think there's two things here ground zero and and figuring out you know where this thing came from and how can we is there a learning that we can take from the, from the origin, but then also the additional learning is knowing that, they, knowing that we're living in a global village where people can fly all over the place from country to country yeah. to country very easily. And, that, we and we that's, the, that's the next question that I wanted to get yeah, to. Yeah. Your part. So yeah. so basically like,
2: I wanted to ask you guys, like what are your thoughts on our own abilities to, to slow uh, or stop the travel? Um, In the event of a major pandemic, I mean, I'm going to go back to the early days where um, we all saw in the news, they were building these massive um, uh, like hospitals in Wuhan, basically to to house people that were sick with coronavirus. Um, So we all saw this stuff happening long before we started reporting cases um, in our own countries Um, But we didn't really have any reaction to it. I would say that we had a very anemic reaction to it. Um, All of a sudden, once we were just totally full of COVID cases, then it's like, okay, maybe we have to shut down air travel. Uh, Maybe we should stop people coming in from the United States. But this is like months after we're starting to notice cases. uh, and, and, And a long time after... We're seeing China uh, grappling with this. Um, so, what are your guys? Um, I'm gonna go over to you there, Misha. First, um, what are your thoughts on uh, international travel just being something that, that is free-flowing and like it's something that we we have no control over? Um, at well, times.
0: this is one that has is dear to my heart because, as you guys know, and anyone who follows me, I. I can share this. I I have been traveling during this pandemic. Uh, I make my time between Ireland and Toronto, Canada, and my girlfriend lives over here, right? And I've been talking to other couples, and we waited until about mid-May. But I took my father's advice, listen, if you love this girl, you go. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, right? And so I've done that. So in terms of traveling, my thing has always been um, I think you should shut it down and lock it down to truly essential traveling, but that's the problem. We don't define things clearly. And to go back to your one point, what I've learned about this pandemic is human nature. There's no problem until there's a problem. You know what I mean by that? Like, oh yeah, the, I hear about this virus going on, but not until it hits our shores. Okay. Now it's a problem and we have to do something about it. And I feel like that's human nature. Yeah. But in terms of the traveling, I just think it should have only been open to truly essential travelers. If you have, hey, listen, my mom is sick and dying. I need to go see her. Yes, go. Absolutely. Right. But people have been trying. Like I I, I can, I could get into Ireland. No problem. Hey, why are you here, sir? I've come to Ireland to drink Guinness. I really want to try your Guinness. All right. Right ahead. Go, go on ahead, sir. Right. And I'm just like, you know, so this whole essential traveling thing is um, is a load of bull, right? It's not true. You can do whatever you want. And they've only tightened up on it now. Like, I would have a huge problem getting home, even as a Canadian.
1: right? So, Misha, I gotta, I'm got. i just a little bit confused because, and I hear what you're saying. So, first of all, I agree with the essential. And you have to really be hard and have hard terms and well-defined terms of what's essential, right? So... You know, for example, someone's family dying, or um, I can't really think of too many things, critical business. Like, let's say you have to have like a critical business meeting, which I don't even think that there's. No, doing. I don't. I wouldn't consider. I don't that. even think. Yeah, I was about to say. Like, I'm thinking like, what's critical? Because we have Zoom, right? So I think even a top level executive who's doing business internationally with a multi national corporation conglomerate, they can still do like Skype meetings or phone, you know, Zoom meetings or over the phone, like. I I think to your point, like what's critical, right. So like separating families, right. So I think, I think bringing families together, especially if someone's dying or if it's your like immediate family, you need to have, you need to be able to bring family together. Um, Maybe diplomats, um, you know, meeting and and government officials meeting like in another country. Well, but even then it's like most of these things can be done on zoom. Like the only, I think the only situation in which it might be critical is if again, for like the immediacy of family and seeing someone who's like in a, in a critical state well um, so i love I, I do agree with you i guess my question back to you misha is do you feel a little bit weird about the fact that you were able to go to ireland and that you're there now i'm just going to ask you point blank like
0: absolutely not i do i think love is an essential reason i'm going to ask you stupart if you were there and cc's in china are you not going to see her for 13 months Cause you're, oh, you know, there's a pandemic, you know, I don't really know if I should fly. Let's just not see each other for 13 months. No, you go, you find a way to get there. She gets to you.
1: I don't think you yeah. would not see her for 13 months. Fair, right? fair enough. Absolutely. That's fair, man. And I kind of have to look at myself in the mirror and I wasn't trying to criticize you whatsoever. No, no, no. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, anything towards you particularly. I'm just saying like, even within the immediacy of family, how do we define that? Um, Obviously, I would never wish. Let's let's say someone in my fiance's family was like ill. Then obviously, I think that warrant travel. But like, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I the am thing is, is like this, you like-
2: you you can't just allow that just on its own. At, at times where the pandemic is spreading, um, where you've got something that's sort of like creeping into our country you know, you have to have some sort of a limitation. And I, I totally get it. Like we have Canadians abroad, hundreds of thousands of Canadians are abroad at all times. And if you just suddenly shut the borders and shut down air traffic, people are stranded. They need a way back into the country. And, and it's so apparent after all of this, that there's no, backup plan. Like, I think back to my history textbooks. Um, when people were coming, uh, were immigrating to North America, um, you know, a major issue was cholera. Cholera would, the cholera outbreaks on these ships that people were coming over on were, were huge and absolutely deadly. And the reality is, is we had, you um, uh, quarantine islands uh, people know about like ellis island and and things like that where it's like you're not going home you're not you're not going onto the mainland as soon as you touch uh touch base in north america like no you gotta sort of hang out for a while yeah, before yeah. we let you let you loose on the population yeah. and and i know it's it almost sounds barbaric it it's extraordinary and this pandemic is extraordinary and and well, honestly i was applauding um when the federal government finally took action and said okay you're coming back from overseas you're coming back from vacation guess what you got to stay in a hotel for a couple of you know yeah, a yeah. week or a couple of weeks yeah. or something like i would That's actually cost you a couple thousand bucks i would it's like the end though. of the world and there's so much bitching and complaining about it yeah. just like stay in the hotel eat yeah. your cafeteria food for a couple of weeks it's for the yeah. good of the nation people but, uh, have i would I, I
0: would actually argue guys i never thought travel was the biggest issue when it came to the covid-19 pandemic i read somewhere that like people coming in and out of the country make up maybe 3% of all of the cases which is nothing but as i said we always need something to blame all right it's the restaurants the restaurants are causing this shut it down oh it's the travel it's the travel the federal government just can't look at themselves and say hey guys maybe we just aren't doing a good enough job at maybe enforcing well, these rules but if you
2: can't right. find someone to blame how can you find a solution
0: well that's the thing and
1: uh, of course travel makes up but nisha like i understand what you're saying and i understand like honestly it would it would break my heart to be separated from my fiance or my parents or whatever like it would break my heart to be separated from a family member or a close friend and I completely sympathize with you and I'm so glad that you're able to be with your your girlfriend there in Ireland 100% understand your point of view but I have to say like 100% they should have been talked around the borders and I understand that Canadians who are abroad would have been pissed because they would have had to stay in whatever country they're in a little bit longer but this stops at the borders because it's not like that bat that's carrying that's going to travel like you know, 13,000 kilometers, like, you know, humans carry it on airplanes. Humans carry this thing on airplanes. It's human to human. Sure, it may have started in a lab or with a bat, and then that may have, you know, a, a bat may have interacted somehow with a pig, and then maybe someone ate that pig and it wasn't fully cooked or whatever. I'm not down. I'm just throwing out like a, a random theory just to prove my point travel is is how it's it's a global community guys like it's a global fucking community so if you're if we should have been tighter at the beginning with our borders man i don't care if it's the u.s to canada border i don't care if it's interprovincial borders between quebec and ontario and and manitoba i don't care if it's the border you know people being stopped at, at at the gates of the at the airport like this these things happen because of air travel these, I must repeat this. These things happen because of air travel. Yeah. Please. Okay, I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna stop you right there, Stupart. The ghost of COVID past is now gonna move us along to COVID present. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about where things are at in Ireland. Um, but but first of all, in in Ontario, uh it's we're making headlines all over the place for being one one of the worst places right now
0: yeah yeah.
2: vaccine rollout has been so brutally deadly slow um and uh and yeah basically we're on our third major wave of the pandemic Uh, we've we've just shut down our borders to neighboring provinces we've given authority to uh, police officers to basically stop people and ask them like, why are you so far away from your home? What are you doing? Why don't you go back home? <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, so we're in, we're in pretty dire straits right now. And I think I, like Misha, you brought it up earlier is that your opinion of, of the world and everything has changed. And now that we're like so deep into this, I wanted to ask you like you know how has your worldview changed and like what is it that
0: you know now that you did not know before this started well i have to say i've always been a very optimistic person i've always believed in humanity and the greater good and uh i would be lying if i didn't say it was dwindling a little bit Um, a lot of these rules that you talked about have been implemented in ireland nine months ago there was a five kilometer limit that you could go from your house that recently got lifted now up to 20 kilometers they've been stopping people uh, at borders you know are you beyond your five kilometers for months now and Ireland never uh opened up we've been in lockdown since December and we are now only starting the process so I don't know what the right way to go about it is I I always felt we should have had a major lockdown at the beginning, right? But my definition of a lockdown and your definition of a lockdown might be totally different, right? If I go out onto the streets and there's heavy, heavy traffic, that's not a lockdown. A lockdown to me is if I step outside, it should, it should feel like the apocalypse. Nothing's happening, yeah. yeah. right? And, and I think, I don't know if these reports are right. In China, they
2: said they were nailing the front doors shut of people's houses where they yeah. knew that they...
0: But look at, uh, um, just to finish my point, Australia and New Zealand, the way they did it right at the beginning, you know, they, they went into a hardcore lockdown and now they're virtually all open oh, yeah. right, and yeah. back to normal way of life. But uh, my thing is, I just uh, if you ask people to do a serious lockdown now, they wouldn't do it. And I myself have reached the point where I am now questioning. When do we finally just say enough is enough and we try and get on with it? Are we close to that point? Right. I think some people are really suffering mentally and I'm not saying we should open everything, but there is a part of me that, that says, okay, government, you've had your, your chance, maybe open up some things, right. Small businesses. Some people are losing Mm -hmm. their really losing their livelihoods now. Yeah. I I don't know what the right call is, but I'm starting to feel that. Of like damn let's just we tried guys we let's, let's... tried and let's just
1: let, let the rest of the world die is that what you're saying nisha
0: no i'm not saying that well, right? but I, I think i think there's an argument to
2: be made there at what point do we just say you know what our our bodies our immune systems are meant to sort of eventually become immune and yeah like, i don't know I, the there's the no vaccinations way. are for man That's but what, these at cultures... what point do we admit that the government is not able to fix this.
1: Well, I can I can admit that from the start because I want to go back to what you guys said earlier about the about, about tighter measures at the at the start, right? And I know that you are trying to look at it from we've talked about the ghosts of the past. Let's move on to the current. But I, I just want to revisit a little bit, just to say, you know, I think that I think that what uh, China, you know, a lot of cases of what China did. Um, they locked it down pretty damn quick, and so did Australia, and so did New Zealand. And they're kind of not laughing at us, but they could, you know, you could almost laugh at ourselves as Canadians and say we did such a shitty job, right? And I, I know that there are tough calls. Like my fiance is a small business owner. I have I've seen Young Street when I was living more towards uh, Young and Eglinton on on uh, um, right on Young Street. There's you know businesses are affected. It sucks. Um, businesses are you know restaurants, hair salons. And everything in between mom and pop shops are shutting down and it sucks and there's casualties in the business world and i don't want to downplay the fact that there's casualties but i think we should have been despite all that as tough as, as it is for the canadian economy and the toronto economy you know at the at the end of the day we should have been tougher at the beginning because we could have nipped it in the butt and that's yeah. why i was saying we needed tighter borders restrict travel um make people stay at home at the beginning we don't need to have this stretching out for 13 fucking months we could have nipped this in the bud Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau and John Torrey they all could have been a little bit stricter at the beginning and we could have nipped it in the bud rather than like having this painful thing play out and one thing that I want to say before I, I throw it back over to you Alex is you know people always forget, right? And, 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 and it's kind of like, I'm gonna go back to just one time, I promise you Alex, just one time, I'll go back to uh, 1918 and the uh, 100 years ago, the Spanish flu, people really quickly forget that it was the second wave of the pandemic that, that had the deepest impact on, on humanity. And, I, and and we're seeing this now with the second and third wave, especially with these aggressive variants, right? And so I was so pissed when I did one of my Stupart News kind of um, rants of the day, you know, three or four months ago, uh, maybe five months ago, with these people who are going out on the beach, they're going out to Trinity Bellwoods Park, they're going out to the Toronto Island, they're going to house parties and baby showers and, and just go and they're totally aloof and just having, you know, they so quickly forget as soon as Things get loosened up a little bit. The government says, okay, you can have 10 people outdoors or whatever. P- things start to get loosened up a little bit in terms of the restrictions. And then people take advantage of it. The second wave happens. The uh, the variants happen. Um, and then now we're in the third wave in Ontario. And it's worse than it's ever been before. So um, I think people are just, neg- I have to just make uh, the point that um, part of it's the government, but part of it is individual people like you and me who are just totally negligent and, and very quickly forget the how dangerous this thing is. I think that's so true what you're saying. Um, North North
2: America specifically has become very soft. We're very soft. For sure. And I would say most people are more concerned about where they're going to get their next haircut than how many people are dying in the ICU facility just down the street from where they live. I don't think there's there's any question that that we are we are so much more concerned about our vacation plans our, you know the the birthday party that we wanted to throw and I'll even admit you know throwing a wedding you know like that was really upsetting to me you know but as as uh, this pandemic has gone on longer and longer I realized that In the very beginning, we needed some sort of emergency measure to kick in where we could all say, okay, guess what? We're all on rations this week. Stay home. Do not leave your house. Um, Anybody walking down the the street is going to be accosted by the military. Like, you know, there should have been some very, very serious measures. But the problem is, is that Again, going back to sort of how, how soft and insulated we are, we're always reading the news um, and learning about these horrific things that are happening overseas. Like you remember when the Ebola uh, outbreak was happening in Africa. I remember just sort of like watching it in the news, like, oh man, that's really awful. And, and I knew like, it's never gonna come to Canada, who really cares, you know? Um, but but we need to take these things so much more seriously. When we see something is, there, is something is breaking out in Africa or Asia or wherever, uh, we need to be like, okay, shut the airplanes down. Anybody coming in, you're going to like a special zone, um, you know, for a couple of weeks, and then you come out. Uh, we need to be able to shut down stronger and harder than we ever have. But
0: yeah. That we should, I agree with you guys, we should have done that from the beginning. But I don't know if people could handle that mentally right now, unless, like you said, Alex, the government wasn't soft and was like, listen, if you don't do this, something bad will happen to you a huge Mm -hmm. fine, jail time, whatever. So if we wanted to have a serious, serious lockdown now, I I think major problems. Uh, could happen because I think people would get rebellious because people are, are very tired. I know you guys are tired mm. of this I'm tired of this mm. right. I'm always looking at,
2: I'm always looking at this stuff and realizing that a lot of it is a, is a is a problem with our political structure. Um, I am a huge, huge fan of democracy. Um, but the problem is is that our politicians are beholden to us. And if we're if we're uncomfortable with something, we're not super happy with something, that threatens those politicians. And they have no choice but to go along with us. Yeah. And and like as much as I hate to say it, one of the benefits of, of uh like a communist country like China is when they want to lay down the iron fist on the population to, to control something, they have so much more. Um, political will to get things done, oh, yeah. and yeah. and it's it's a conundrum because I do not think that um, that these types of political structures are the answer. Um, but it's just one obvious case where there are pros and cons. So, oh, Alex,
1: for sure, and I think you I think you summed up very nicely the the different. Political landscapes that we see in different parts of Asia or different parts of the world compared to what we see in a more democratic society here in um, in North America, and 100% concur with you. And I think I'm going to go back to my original thesis, which you know, as much as I love, I, I I totally agree. As much as I love democracy, I'm so proud to be. Uh, where is it? So Rogers. Be Canadian. Rogers is super, not democracy. super proud. Super proud to be Canadian, and I and I I would never take our democracy for granted and the freedoms that I have here but I think I think you're 100% correct in that you know we should have put aside our our freedoms for I, I don't hate to say it this way but we should have put aside our freedoms for a little bit for the greater good because I think I think ultimately if, if Justin Trudeau Doug Ford all the premiers and all the mayors had been a little bit tougher at the beginning the not only the the human element but the business element all of this could have been nipped in the bud. And I, and I think, you know, speaking as someone who's who's engaged to a small business owner, she's suffering more now because this has been so drawn out. If they had just locked everything down hardcore at the beginning, you know, all the salon owners, all the barbershop owners, all the nail, nail technicians, all the restaurateurs and everyone in between could be back to work. And this thing would be, you know, shut down. But it's because we dragged our heels at the start. Now it's just affecting not only humanity at the at the at the level of people dying in these overcrowded ICUs, but it's also the business aspect. And I think I think what the government tried to do, especially with Dougie in Ontario here, is he was trying to appease. He was trying to have, play a balancing act between, you know, let's let's keep this thing you know contained, but at the same time. You know, there's pressure from big and small business to keep businesses open because let's be real—like the economic fallout of this whole thing is catastrophic. Not only are people underemployed or unemployed, and then you have this universal income coming through the vehicle of SERB, you have business loans. Uh, coming in for small businesses. Um, the is the, the in total turmoil right now. I mean, someone has to foot the bill for all, the, for all this, right? Whether it's at the Canadian level or at the provincial level, like someone is going to get that bill at the end of the day and taxpayers are going to pay that bill. And so there's a lot of, I wanted to sort of just talk on the economic uh, element of it um, and say that not only is it a human issue, but it's also balancing that with you know, these mom and pop shops, I'll go back to my example of walking down when I was living midtown, walking down Young Street and seeing all these um, pubs and bars and barbershops, just, just ghost town, you know, boarded up and stuff. And it, it's a tough, it's a tough question about how, how, how do we restrict these businesses? You know, because at the end of the day, there's lots of questions and, um, I think, I think if we had nipped this in the bud at the beginning, we would a lot of these restaurants wouldn't have shut down. A lot of these barbershops wouldn't have shut down because there's only so much that a business loan can do, and then you're kind of out of money. So I think, I think my thesis here is going to be if we had taken this more seriously at the beginning, we could have nipped it in the bud, eliminated it, and then there wouldn't have been all this economic backlash that we're seeing on top of the human aspect. And Stupart, I
2: have to ask you, like, what happened to that willpower? That we used to have. I mean, yet you remember Canada is a country that sent an entire generation of young men over to Europe to, um, you know, be killed on the battlefield fighting the Nazis or fighting the Germans in Real- World War I. Um, you know, like this is a, this is a country that has experienced great sacrifice and Ireland as well. Um, and here we are on un- sort of unwilling to Um, do the necessary things in order to to beat this and maybe it's a political issue I mean um, you know a lot of that is because of the wartime measures act Um, you know like basically they they uh, you know the government did commandeer businesses and and force them to contribute to the war effort and everything like that Um, maybe we're just uh, you know Again, seeing sort of an anemic response from a weak liberal party in power. I don't know.
1: Well, that's, that's, it. you know, it goes back to my point. Like, if, if, if all these business owners, whether it's the big box, the medium, or the, the mom and pop shops, if they had all just made that sacrifice right at the get go, here's my whole thesis. I'm going to summarize it shut down the borders, shut down non essential businesses, curbside pickup, get people in their houses, like be tough at the beginning. And then, and then you're just you're shortening this. You're flattening the curve. You're mm-hmm. shutting it down, and then and then everything goes back to normal faster. And then the barbershops shops are, are going to open. The, the restaurants are going to open. But now everyone just suffer. The, the the suffering, both on the human level and on the business level, is just be, being prolonged. To your point, Alex, maybe our government's too soft, and they're not they're not mm-hmm. pulling these these you know in, the, enforcing this stuff as critically. Ultimately, leaders
2: leadership comes from the top. You know, I I don't think you can make everybody and every business independently make the right decision and just all agree to to treat this more seriously. It has to come from the top or else it doesn't come from anywhere.
0: I'll kind of give uh, my final point to all of this on how I feel about the pandemic now to summarize it. To me, it's kind of like paying taxes. I don't mind paying taxes at all. As long as it goes towards good things like a better healthcare system, a better education system. So it boils down to trust. So with this pandemic, we've been locking down, opening up, locking down, opening up, locking down, opening up, and it has done nothing. It's done nothing, right? So the number one priority is the vaccine rollout. We need to get people vaccinated. That's how we beat these things. But it becomes about trust, like, OK, so if you lock it down again, we all go into our houses, be like, oh, my goodness, we're locked down. And then we'll open up and then oh, cases are going up, lock it back down again. And how long do we play this cycle? Like people yeah. are now really starting to rebel, right? I, I agree with you, Andrew, it should have been locked down hard at the beginning. But now if you're going to lock it down again, that's why the Canadian people are going, well, we're just going to stay in our home for a month and then we're going to go back out and I'm going to go to a restaurant and then, oh, another weeks. lockdown. And the cycle <laughs> yeah. continues. So it
1: becomes it's a about cycle. cycle. Oh, for sure, it's a cycle. Right? It's for sure a cycle. Alex, do we have do we have some time for me just to- Yeah, to, to I, have, I just time. have
2: like one one more question on uh, the, oh, the present. Um, and, and Misha already sort of touched on it, is the vaccine. And I have to admit- um, I'm a little bit skeptical of the vaccine. Not that it's a bad thing. I think we should all take the vaccine, no question. Um, however, I'm, I'm starting to become skeptical that the vaccine is actually going to resolve this.
0: Ah, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I will just quickly say, I do agree we should vaccinate people. I do think it's the number one priority worldwide to get herd immunity and to get us all back to, quote unquote, a normal way of living. What you say about it actually being effective over time against COVID-19 is yet to and be other key. And the
2: variance.
0: Yeah, is- and you know what, you could be absolutely right. I would not be surprised if it doesn't cause, if it, it doesn't cause herd immunity, but only time will tell. And I just have to trust as a citizen, as a Canadian citizen as a citizen of the world, that these vaccines will help build her immunity. I just have to, I, I have to trust it. I have to believe in it and see where it goes from there.
1: What do you well, think well, of it? Mean, it's not as if, no, here's the thing. It's not, I mean, there's obviously there's different companies that are doing it. There's Moderna, there's, I can't pronounce the other, what's the, what's the one that everyone's complaining about right now? Anna, what's as the- AstraZeneca, there's Pfizer. I mean, Pfizer is a pretty big household name. Like a lot of the drugs that we have in our in our drug cabinets on our bathroom come probably come from Pfizer or something along the lines, right? Like when, they're big pharmaceutical. So, and as much as like we could do a whole other podcast on big pharma and 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 the controversies that surround big pharma, because I don't want to say I'm not going out and saying that I'm a proponent of big pharma. There's like you know, big pharma is actually very flawed and there's a lot of things I could say about big pharma but I'll reserve that for now and what I'll say is you know I think given the circumstances if there's a if if big pharma is putting out this thing and it's being tested and 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 there's you know there's clinical trials it's not as if we're just doing rolling out this major clinical trial for the first time now there was you know controlled clinical trials that happened against these these different solutions these different types of vaccinations right so this isn't Um, Does it have a proven 20 year track record? No. Have there been clinical trials? Yes. Does it prove that it's effective against bringing down your, you know, increasing your immunity and bringing down your susceptibility to spreading and and getting contagion, sorry, contagious, um, sorry, let me rephrase this. Has it proven to um, make you more immune and less susceptible to the contagiousness of the virus? 100%. Should we take the vaccine? 100%. Um, and I think that it's important for people just to put their beliefs and their worries aside, and just get this thing in your arm as soon as possible. But, sorry, Alex, one more thing: it's yeah. a two-pronged Pardon. approach. Okay, so number one, should you take the vaccine, one hundred percent. But it's a two-pronged approach. So I think you have to stay home, stay on your couch, and, uh, and 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 not really go outside except for essential reasons, and combine it with the vaccine, and that's the only way that we're going to kick this thing. Mm-hmm. I think. I think it's
2: our. Best chance. There's no question. Get the vaccine if you're eligible. But at the same time, I think we need to prepare ourselves mentally for the for the fact that uh, we already have news reports saying that there are certain variants that are able to break through um, the uh, immunization that these vaccines are giving us. Um, So, you know, and we I think there's a very good possibility that we might have to come to grips with the fact that covid is just going to be covid and covid variants are just going to be a way of life going forward what do you think about that Stu and we got to just get too, on with is it. that too heavy for you to grasp right? uh, what a depressing I
1: think, I think conversation that's a pretty <laughs> uh, glass half full um pessimistic view of it i think if we can get rid of uh something like polio who was the last person that you heard that had polio right like I'm just use i'm just throwing that out as a quick example like i have obviously i don't have like my research i didn't do my research on polio before coming in here but if we can like like look at the plague right like the plague in the in the medieval ages you know no one's no one has the plague right like we don't the plague does not exist or the, right. or the same thing you know with the spanish flu like we we kicked that 100 years ago it took some time and there was that second wave but we kicked the spanish yeah. flu 100 years ago i think at some point we're going to be able to kick this thing, but I think you're right. It's going to take some more work and some more ingenuity. It's not going to happen overnight because it's not only the single strain, but there's these other variants that are very aggressive. And you're and I and I agree. You know, the science does say, gentlemen, that well, while well, this this whether it's Moderna or Pfizer or any of the other different solutions out there, while they do um, decrease. Um, people's suscept- sus- susceptibility to this thing and and, and makes, you know, and, and heightens people and people's immunity to this thing. You're right in that there's more aggressive variants out there. And I think it'll be time before we kick those to the curb as well. So I think it's a time game, but I don't want to have that pessimistic view that we'll never beat it because I think we have to be a little bit more optimistic as we move forward as Canadians and as world citizens. Guys, I, I think- I. I- I just want to say
0: one last thing, Alex, because I know, Alex, you watched the Joe Rogan experience, and he had a doctor on about maybe four months into the pandemic, and he said something that I thought was very telling. He's like, listen, it doesn't matter what we do, what I have researched from all past pandemics, they last always, always, no exception, no matter what time period, between 18 and 24 months. It doesn't matter what we do. We're 13 months into it. And I'm starting to think this doctor was correct. I I, I think this is about an 18, 24 month window before we start to see a kind of normal-ish way of living. I just thought that was an interesting point to throw out there.
1: That's interesting. I hope it's true because if we're we're already over the halfway mark, if if that's true.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm just gonna close on this point by saying that um, I think HG Wells said it best in the war of the worlds, that humanity has earned its right to exist on this planet. And that's from, from you know, basically learning to live with these various organisms, viruses and things like that. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a very modern problem um, to be dealing with this in such a way. The reality is in the past, you know, just like lots of people died and the people that lived went on to procreate and and that's how you you adapt and become better as a species and i think it's hard to say it but there's a very good possibility that that's just what we're experiencing right now
1: and guys i hate to be the one with the last word because you were doing such a nice way like with the quote and everything and i appreciate you doing the the hg wells quote and and you're just gonna, shit, it. All over it, you're gonna and shit all over it. You're gonna shit all over it for a second. No, but seriously, I just one final note that I really, really was super passionate about, especially having you know being being engaged to someone who's Chinese and having Chinese friends. Is that some, one thing that I want to go out on? And before we close up the episode, is that not you know not none of us here on the lockdown load do condone any of this Asian hate. I'm a, I'm a very progressive person. All of us here are, and I think if you're gonna point the finger at someone. Um, you know, pointed away from the, from, from Asian Canadians, because it's, you know, there's been a lot of hatred both in, um, in Canada and in the States around, you know, um, you know, trying to, trying to have Chinese people escape boats. And I just want to say I'm very against it and we, we have to live in a tolerant society and we cannot be, um, pointing the finger at each other because that's not going to do anything. I just want to say I'm very passionate about it. Um, and that's just one final point that I wanted to put across. Um, but yeah no i think i think you do. i think alex first of all thank you for doing a wonderful job um summarizing all this for us um i mean i think the future we'll see what the future holds um we'll see what the timeline is in terms of flattening the curve and as as to what Misha said it could just be one of those like 18 to 20 24 month things but i think at the end of the day we're gonna either way we're gonna learn a big lesson and hopefully history won't repeat itself again but You know, it's just on us to to see what happens in the future. All right. Well, if no one else has anything to say, that was one of the
0: most intense episodes of the lockdown lot that I think we've done. But we're all very passionate about what's going on in the world, as I'm sure the people out there, you know, we all want to see this thing go away as soon as possible. So please follow us on Spotify, follow us on the Facebook group, tell all your friends about the lockdown lowdown and we'll give you more awesome content. As always, thank you so much for watching and we will see you next time.